Here is the latest Higher Summits forecast brought to you by our friends at the Mount Washington Observatory. Weather above treeline in the White Mountains is often wildly different than at our trailheads. Before you hike, check the Higher Summits forecast at mountwashington.org. Weather observers working at the nonprofit Mount Washington Observatory write this elevation-based forecast every morning and afternoon. Search and rescue teams, avalanche experts, and backcountry guides all rely on the Higher Summits forecast to anticipate weather conditions above treeline. You should too. Go to mountwashington.org or text FORECAST to 603 356 2137. And here's your forecast for Friday, December 22nd and Saturday, December 23rd. You'll be able to check out the forecast at mountwashingtonobservatory.org over the next few weeks while Mike and I are on vacation. And be sure to do that. And also, they always advise you to read the discussion section up above the succinct forecast because there's all kinds of information that's cool, such as this week. They mentioned that Friday there's a great chance of an inversion where there's going to be some really dramatic undercast. So uh, be sure to check that out if you're up in the area. So Friday we have... Let's see. In the clear under mostly sunny skies, trending towards in and out of the clouds under partly cloudy skies. Temperature rising to the upper teens with winds northwest at 30 to 45 miles per hour with gusts up to 50. Decreasing to 15 to 30 miles per hour and shifting southeast with a wind chill rising to 0 to 10 below zero. Friday night, mostly in the clouds under mostly cloudy skies, with a low rising to the lower 20s. Winds will be southeast at 15 to 30 miles per hour, with a wind chill rising to 5 to 15 above. And then Saturday, in and out of the clouds under mostly sunny skies. Temps in the mid-20s, with winds southeast shifting east late at 15 to 30 miles per hour, and wind chill will be 5 to 15 above. So we'll see you in a couple weeks, and uh, enjoy your holidays. from the Woodpecker Studio in the great state of New Hampshire. Welcome to the Sounds Like a Search and Rescue podcast, where we discuss all things related to hiking and search and rescue in the White Mountains of New Hampshire. Here are your hosts, Mike and Stump. Welcome to episode 134 of the Sounds Like a Search and Rescue podcast. This is the last episode of 2023, 
This week, we bring you a fun story of two hikers, Jessica and Fran, who experienced trouble on Franconia Ridge. This one is from the perspective that we don't often think about when we talk about hiking. The once-a-year hiker going out for a fun day of nature, mostly unaware of how best to prepare for a challenging day in the mountains. This story turns out okay, but it is a lesson in how small decisions can build up and create the potential for big problems. Plus, we have an angry Mother Nature with road closures, washouts, raging rivers, and major flooding across New Hampshire and Maine. The great flood of 2023 this week has wreaked havoc in the whites and beyond. All this in a volcano eruption in Iceland, wolves in Colorado, Lord of the Rings, a recent hike retraces the steps of Darvey Field in the Montauban Range, and we've got recent search and rescue news. So I'm Mike. And I'm Stomp. Let's get the last show of 2023 started. This is Ben Pease from Hiking Buddies. We are a 501c3 nonprofit committed to reducing avoidable tragedies through education, impactful projects, and fostering a community of support. You can find out more at hikingbuddies.org. We wanted to say thank you to those who have supported our mission, and most importantly, say thanks to those who speak up, who ask questions, and who are willing to provide guidance and assistance on the trails when needed. You embody what it means to be a hiking buddy. And now, for all my newer hikers out there, here's this episode's Hiking Buddies Quick Tip. Always leave a plan with someone before you head out for your hike. Let them know where, what time you expect to be back, and what actions to take if you miss a check-in. It is absolutely imperative to make sure that someone knows where you are and what time you are expected to return. Welcome to episode 134. Welcome. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Are you staying dry? Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> it's still drying out. Like, we got some water in the basement, actually. Yeah. Oh, you did? Yeah, we sure did. I mean, it happens very, very rarely, but this storm was just so overwhelming that uh, it stepped through uh, to the bottom basement uh, below the stairs. And what's really nasty, it came in where the litter boxes are and where all the litter is. So, of course, it mixed with the litter and just made a complete mess. So, yeah, we got hit a little bit. Gross. Gross. Is, is, is right. the studio okay? Is Woodpecker Studio yeah. affected? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'm just surrounded by just nasty kitties that sort of stink. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah, the studio's fine, though. Yeah, we've had this problem once before, like three or four years ago. It wasn't as bad, and it was the same situation, just heavy rains, and uh, it snuck in a little bit. Yeah, I've gotten water in my basement like twice. There was that Mother's Day storm in like the 2000s, I think, or maybe the 2010s. Yeah. And then there was an ice storm and um, yeah, our basement flooded. But I got a um, 
sump pump and then Jimmy Chaga was down here refinishing it and we got like another pump in my egress window so yeah. I think most of that water just I think the um, the the hydraulic pressure like builds up when it gets the water table gets to a certain point and it just seep through the so you got to keep Cracks. that water away from the house yeah absolutely yeah it's All amazing right. All right, Stomp, I got a new segment for us. I haven't, I haven't run this by you, but um, All right. my friends, uh, our friends, Camilla and Lance, I went hiking with them. We're going to talk about that. Okay, cool. They gave me a, they gave me a present, and I'm going to be able to utilize this present on the show. But I think I'm going to need you to go to our voiceover guy and see if he can do um, a voiceover intro for this. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it shouldn't be a problem. So it'll be like, Slasher's Dad Joke of the Week. Oh, nice. I've got a, so for the listeners, I'm, I'm holding up a book here for Stomp to look at. It's called 365 Days of Dad Jokes. (laughs) Is this part of our, uh, outreach to the younger generations? It is, it is. We're going to be, well, we're going to, um, admit our boomerism here. So, but no, Camilla and Lance, they had a good idea in this. So, um, so if you can get the voiceover guy to do the um, slasher dad joke, of the week, we'll slip in some tick jokes every once in a while uh, oh, yeah, for yeah. Beth Lynn. But um, so here's the first one. We argued all day about what to call a medieval soldier, but it was getting late. So we decided to call it a knight. <laughs> That's okay. good. So you have to take a pen and cross it out. <laughs> True, true. Yeah, so we have 364 more shows to do to get, get through this. All right, we're committed. Is that the yes, res- Is are. that your New Year's resolution? I put this in the script, but we should talk about that briefly. I know you're not the New Year's resolution guy, right? Well, I've done a couple of them. Yeah. I've done a couple of them, so... Um, I don't know. But have yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that, I guess. But um, just housekeeping stomp. So for the listeners, this is going to be our last episode of the year, and then we're going to take... Two weeks off, is that right? Two weeks? Yeah, two weeks. So back on the week of the 8th, I think, right? January. Yeah, so nothing on the 29th of December and then nothing on January 5th. So I think that we'll be back on January 12th. Let me double check just so people don't yell at us. Correct. I think we're we're recording on the 9th, but we're not going to push it out until the 12th. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's going to be a good year. 2024. Yes. Coming right up. It is. All right. But before we get, you know, let's not get ahead of ourselves into next year. So today is December 21st. Do you know what happens at 1027 p.m. this evening, Stomp? Uh, let's see. Um, winter? <laughs> it is the official start. It's the winter solstice, which uh, it's my understanding oh, that by the the... 4,000 footer hiking rules um, as long as you I think the rule is is you can't set foot on a trail until 1027 and then after that if you do any of the winter 4,000 footers they'll count hmm they're just guidelines they're just guidelines so um, <laughs> and then are you still committed to, are you still committed you're going to do your winter 4,000 footer oh yeah absolutely yes. yeah now that uh, you, you reminded me I'll probably hit one this weekend how many do you think you're going to get this winter season? I don't know, man. Maybe if I'm lucky, 12 or 15. That's aggressive. Yeah, it is. But the ones I have to hit are all tacked together. So I think I could get some um, work done. Okay. 
Yeah, yeah I uh, I think I I really focused on the last three years or so, and I think I was averaging like eight to ten per season. So, but yeah. I, I had to drive too. I'm not up there. I'm not up north when I you know in the winter, so it's harder. I'm hoping to be done by January or early February because I've only got I just got those two trips. I got to get out to Owl's Head and then they got the Zealand Bond Traverse. Ooh, yeah. Count me in on that one. I definitely need those. That'd be great. Okay. Okay. I, by the way, can I just yes. hit upon the uh, forecast for a second? Did you hear the, the forecast yet or read no. it? Uh, today's no. going to be a massive undercast inversion. So if you're able to get out and enjoy it, it might be spectacular on the higher summits. Ooh. Yeah. Slasher's hiking topic of the week. Well, we might as well get into this. Like, so the the Mother Nature is pissed. The Great Flood of twenty twenty three. So, I've been you know I've been paying attention on social media and everything, but like this is really bad. So, how many inches of rain did you guys get to- in total? I honestly didn't keep track, but I'm assuming it was probably around four, at least three and a half. Yes, too. Oh yeah, I mean the forecast was calling for that over the span of those twenty four hours, and looking at the results, I'm assuming it had to have been. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um, it's just, I think that there was already a high water table and then this was enough to push it over. So the big floods, I mean, it made the news, made the national news. I mean, there's pictures. Somebody was doing some drone pictures in Western Maine of um, one of those mill towns there that had gotten like completely flooded. And, you know, there's other, you know, I think. Plymouth. North Conway, Plymouth. There's been a bunch of towns around New Hampshire, Maine that got whacked. Yeah. Really bad. Plymouth was pretty striking. Really? Were you driving around? Well, there's um, there's the exit. Um, I, I forget what it is. It's either 25 or 26 that connects to Plymouth State University. And it, it generally hits uh, high water during these events, but it was at least a quarter mile long. It, it went from the highway all the way over to uh, the bridge that crosses the Pemi into downtown Plymouth. I've never seen it that high and that wide. Um, yeah, that was pretty spectacular. Yeah. And I think, um, the, there was a couple of things on social media that blew up. Number one is there was a video that Andrew Drummond took. So Andrew is a, uh, I think he's a big backcountry skier guy. I've seen him yeah. around. I'll link his Instagram. Uh, but he had taken some video of what I'm assuming is like the Ellis river into Jackson, New Hampshire. And that was absolutely raging. So that, that went viral. I think that got picked yeah. up by national news all over the place. Right. Right. Yep, uh, there was a there was another f- video and photo of the covered bridge gift shop in Bartlett. Okay, um, I know that, that was is. maybe yeah. It was like the water was basically re- hitting the bottom of the bridge. It survived, but it was you know another half a foot or something. It might have gotten taken out. Hmm. And then I believe as of now that three hundred two in Crawford Notch has a washout. So you can't get from Bartlett up into Twin Mountain. So if if you need to get from Twin Mountain to Bartlett, you got to go around route to Route Two and then sixteen to get that way. So you can't get up through three hundred two. Wow, that's a disaster. Um, yeah, that's incredible. I didn't know about that one. 
Yeah, so that's shut down. I'm, I'm assuming that'll be shut down for a while. And then West Side Road in North Conway was shut down for a while. I'm assuming that may be back up, but I don't know. Yeah. The covered bridge on East Side Road was closed, I think, as well in North Conway because the, the soccer was really um, you know overflowing. And then Sunday River had a big washout, I think, into their entrance. Yeah, so That's right. Yeah, the, one of the ski schools. Yes. It looked like a landslide, but it, that was the after effect of all the, the mud and dirt. Yeah. So um, it's all over the place. What, what about your area? I think you had that the the dam that's close by to you was touch and go for a while. Yeah. I, I You know, there was some rumor that got out there that it had failed, and that's that was fake news for sure. Um, that is okay. a hell of a tough dam. And um, basically, it, it it did back up though, and it flooded Route 49 at the dam by about three or four feet. So, Campton Fire came down, and they—I didn't even know these existed—but they pulled these steel um, columns up on the road, and then pile strong wood between these uh, steel pilings, and it, it extends the dam out 30, 40 feet on either side. So, it was really neat to see that. Uh, four years, yeah. four or five years ago. It had spilled onto the road, but this year it would, the road was completely covered. So we got diverted away from the bridge up Route 70, 175 north, and then we had to go the back roads to get to our place. Um, you know, most of the effects here were just high water. I don't really know of any property damage necessarily at this point, other than things like you know closing down the entire stretch of uh, that exit down in Plymouth. But I'm sure we'll find out over the next few weeks the amount of uh, damage. Yeah, yeah. I saw a video today, and I'll link it in the show notes. That um, I probably shouldn't laugh about this, but there was a uh, video taken of the Anderscoggin River in Lewiston, Maine, and a casket was floating by. So this lady's taking some video, and she just happens to see a casket float by. So they don't know if it was unearthed, if it was a casket that was unearthed, or if oh, it was yeah. just one that was ready to be used or something. Wow! Wow! Interesting. And uh, yeah. Yeah. just just uh, yesterday, I posted on the story. There's a uh, a fundraiser for the family over on the eastern side of the state. Uh, Corey Outdoors posted it there. It's a fundraiser because they pretty much just lost their home. Uh, you may have seen footage of that. The entire backyard disappeared. And yes. yeah, it was unbelievable. So you can check that out and you have some donation links within that post if anybody's interested. All right. I'll get that up on the Facebook page as well. Um, yeah. Just in case people want to donate and help them out. I'm sure there's some other families and you know, oh, yeah. that's the sad part about this is that there was definitely like a fair number of families that are flooded out and they're in you know low lying areas and it's, it's yeah. just not a great way to go in a winter and Christmas season. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mother Nature, going um, nuts. Yeah, and stop. I think the, I'm always interested in like how people obtain their news and information in these like um, quickly changing or fast moving news events. So I think we used to rely on just you know the the big local news channels to get all of our news. But like now with all these social media channels, there's all kinds of options for us to get more real real time news. I just want to give a shout out to a Facebook page that is absolutely fantastic. Um, and they, they, they break a lot. Oh, they, they post a lot of breaking news around the North Conway area. And the Facebook page is called Nick news and it's got four exclamation points. So it's Nick news, exclamation, 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 exclamation. So mm-hmm. definitely worth checking out. But the, a lot of the photos and the, the footage that I got was just people posting on that, that site. Excellent. Yeah, local news. 
Yes. Can't beat it. Yep. Um, and then one other reminder for people, we posted this on uh, some of our socials, but this is, again, a reminder Get used to or get comfortable reading your uh, your river flow information on the um, on the 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 websites that you can go to. And basically, I typically will look at the east branch of the Pemi River and look at you know how much cubic f- feet per square inch is being run or per second. Um, and you want to see that around six to eight hundred. Before you know, once it starts getting above that, it starts getting pretty dangerous. So I think it was up at like sixteen thousand. Uh, the reading this week, so you got to keep an eye on that before you want to get out and do do any river crossings. Yeah, do you know what it is currently? I don't. Two or three days after as, the fact. Yeah, I can pull it up as you're talking. Yeah, I can. I can tell you that the PEMI is still really high. Um, it's the the rate of motion of the water seems to be calming down a bit, but uh, the PEMI is approaching normality. Um. But I'm so glad that there were no issues, as far as I'm aware, on the hiking trails this weekend. People were, or this week, people were smart and avoided the obvious pitfalls on some of these yeah. trails with crossings and brooks and whatnot. Yeah, so it looks like it peaked out at um, 15,300 um cubic feet per second and it is now down to 980 so it drops pretty quickly yeah okay so um it was sort of hanging around like 150 to um to 200 for Mm. going back to i think yeah the last month or so it's been really low Mm -hmm. so hopefully it'll freeze up soon enough and everything will settle down Right. Oh, yeah. That's an, <laughs> speaking of freezing up. There are clearly no snowmobile tours this weekend because <laughs> the the snow is history. Yeah, uh. yeah that's true. That's true. <laughs> um, all right, stop. So you know, again, hoping everybody is okay, and you know, those folks that have had their homes affected, you know, we're thinking of you, and um, you know, it sucks. Mother Nature's rough. Yeah, tough time of the year for that. Yeah. Um, moving on to Iceland, speaking of Mother Nature. So we had talked about Iceland was sort of percolating around uh, volcano activity. Mm-hmm. So uh, this finally let loose. So yeah, um, there's been a, uh, a big explosion in Grindavik, Iceland, which is in the southern peninsula, a little bit southwest mm-hmm. of Reykjavik. So there's a power plant close by and it's about... I don't know, three or four miles away from that that popular place where people go go swimming with the the hot springs and stuff. So there's air pollution warnings, and you know people are a little bit nervous. They did have to evacuate a town, so mm-hmm. um, yeah, keep an eye on that. Some pretty cool photos going being posted, though. Absolutely, yeah, the videos are pretty stunning. Yep, and as as th- these things tend to happen immediately after the eruption, a hiker went out there to go check it out and needed a helicopter rescue. <laughs> Thank God they had uh, one available that could get near near enough. It's a yep. risky flight. Yeah, rumor has it it was a Massachusetts resident, but we don't, <laughs> resident, but we don't know. <laughs> now, have you hiked in this area, Mike, or were you uh, closer to Reykjavik? 
I was looking, so I had hiked um, southeast of Reykjavik. There's another power. So I was interested because they said it was close to a power plant. I had hiked near the, um, I think it's called the Heidelai Power Plant. And they have these power plants in Iceland that are situated on top of these fissures or whatever. And they, they obtain their power through... I think this volcanic activity or whatever. And um, my brother and father went on a tour of this power plant and um, I ended up going on a hike behind the power plant. So I hiked back in that area, but I didn't, um, I did not like go into the power plant or anything. So, I mean, the area I think that they're going in, that, that it's erupting is like mostly, if you go there, it is primarily like all old volcanic rock. So mm-hmm. it has been years and years, thousands of years of volcanoes erupting in that area. So it's not even that green. It's mostly just like volcanic black rock yep. in, that, in that southwest section. Mm-hmm. Where I was near the other power plant was much greener, but there was a lot of um, a lot of like geysers and things like that and hot springs. You know, they would have them roped off because if you put your hand in them you, you burn your your skin off because of the acid right so right. you did have to be careful but there was like nobody around to warn you it was just you would hear things fizzing up from the ground and you just have to avoid them gotcha beautiful area well hopefully everybody's all right over there i did hear something that something about you had mentioned the air pollution but Reykjavik was in that line of pollution with the gases coming in that imagine. direction yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if the wind is going northeast, then it's gonna it's gonna go right over Reykjavik. So, yeah. Um, anyway, I don't really know what the normal jet stream is. I would <clears> assume <throat> it goes west to east, like we do, but maybe maybe it's different. I don't know. Yeah, not sure. All right, Snop. Well, we'll get you to Iceland eventually. We'll work <laughs> that trip out. But, yeah, right. Um, <laughs> Speaking of, uh, well, so moving on to Colorado now, we've got a story here oh, about Colorado had released five gray wolves that were, I guess, captured in Oregon. Yeah. And they uh, they released them in Colorado, and it's controversial. So they, they had released four juveniles, two females, two males, and then an adult right. male. So three males, three females, and they've got GPS tracking on them apparently there's a little bit of a delay on the gps so it's like within 12 hour period but they can't get real-time tracking on them um this was the result of an of a vote that went through where um i guess it made it to the ballot to on whether or not they should release these wolves into colorado and it passed primarily based on votes from people that live in cities and suburbs where the I saw yeah, that. the ranchers and the rural people are like, no, we, we have to deal with this. You don't have to deal with it. But, yeah, um, very interesting. Yep. I, it's funny you mentioned that. I didn't know you were aware of that, but I saw a map that showed the vote uh, distribution, and it was all the cities, all the you know more liberal cities and whatnot. Yeah, so this tension for sure, because the people that are, you know, the ranchers and the people living in the rural areas have to worry about their, their you know, their pets and their livestock and even their own safety um, over time. Because I guess apparently they're going to they're going to release like maybe five or six at a time over the course of the next uh, five to 10 years. And they've done this successfully, I think in Wyoming or Idaho, there was an article in the National Geographic about how um, the, the packs had reestablished themselves 
And it's a pretty interesting article. So I'm assuming Colorado will experience the same thing. And, you know, it's it's going to impact the elk hunting. And, you know, anytime you put a top of the food chain type predator like wolves into the environment, it's de- it's definitely going to impact the uh the environment in a way that's probably can't be completely understood until it happens. Mm. Yeah, we need an update on the grizzly bear release too. Yeah, that's another one that's um, <laughs> that's on the list. So we'll keep an eye on that. I, right. I'm, they might as well just release mountain lions in New England now. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness! Oh, did you see the footage, by the way, of the wolverine that was caught on film? No, I'll have to dig that up for the next episode. I don't have the exact facts, but apparently an elusive creature, the mountain wolverine was captured on film or recording, and uh, it's just running across an alpine slope, and it's incredible footage. So I'll do some more digging for the next show on that one. Yeah. Anytime I think about wolverines, I just think of Napoleon Dynamite where he's in the locker room and he's like, I was in Alaska hunting wolverines with my uncle. <laughs> legendary movie oh, oh God. such a great movie it is uh, anyway <laughs> so we got wolves we got wolverines um yeah. hippos in the merrimack that's next hippos we yeah at least hippos in the merrimack that'd be good so, that'd be good yes um <laughs> all right stomp so you've got here new year's resolutions for the podcaster in general so i haven't thought about this so why don't you go yeah. Well, I had a New Year's resolution for the podcast, and uh, it's essentially to get you set up for guests so we can divvy up the guest burden. And, uh, oh, yes. Yeah, so that's the big thing. We'll get get you set up with the gear, and uh, maybe even for uh, the first of the year, you know, we'll get that rolling. And uh, Ugh, I don't want people coming to my house. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, after today's uh, segment there, you should invite more family members. That was a really good time, as oh, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Take your shoes off when you enter. <laughs> yeah. I don't have Do you make any... people take their shoes off, or do, you, do oh, they keep their shoes on when no, you come No, no, no. No, it doesn't matter. A little vacuuming takes care of any of that nonsense. All right. Yeah. Well, this is Michael's side eye on the show with it, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. But as for personal resolutions, I, I really don't have any at the moment. Yeah, it's a little too early. I know I threw this at you, but... I think... I'm trying to remember the last couple of resolutions I've had. So one was... um, um, I was always going to put my clothes in the laundry, like not inside out. <laughs> I you think know, you're like, right. Because my wife, yeah, she'd be always mad at me. And then... Um, yeah, it was laundry related. I, we'll have to go back and find out. Yeah, yeah. I think the other one I did, and I probably talked about this on the show, but like that. So I live with all women, right? I mean, you kind of know. So I just, I resolved like I was no longer going to pee standing up. <laughs> right? That's true. Well, that's not an issue for me. I've got a hip replacement, so I actually yeah, prefer well, sitting down nowadays. Yeah, yeah. Well, me too, actually. I'm used to it now, but. <laughs> In too much information. Too much information, but yeah, like, cause I, they would always complain about like the seat up, the seat down, whatever. So I just was like, I'm just going to, I'm going to do it the same way that you all do it. Moving <laughs> right. forward. Oh man, that's, that's um, really funny. But yeah, but that's it. I think, um, just going to keep running. That's my new year's resolution. Oh yeah, me too. I've been hitting the hills, man. I'll tell you about it. Okay. Yeah.
Hey, what's that sound? It must be time for the pop culture segment with Mike and Stomp. Um, all right, so pop culture talk, Stomp. What do you got? Well, this was just the uh, 20th anniversary of the Return of the King release. It was released on December 17th, 2003. Can you imagine 20 years ago? It was just such an epic trilogy, and that movie in particular was just mind-blowing. It won. It, it swept the Oscars that year, if you remember. Uh, so just a little reminder there. And uh, I watched it that night when it was released, and it was just like, whoo, so great, so good. Yeah, I think those were the last movies that I actually went to opening night and like. St- yeah. Well, I think I did that with The Hobbit too, but I, all three of those movies, I went opening night and waited in line and, you know, mm. did that whole thing. Yeah. And I don't think I've done that since for a movie. It reminds me, I actually saw Return of the King the night before. So Thursday night at midnight. And I got home at 4 35 in the morning when the sun was coming up, totally exhausted. I'll never forget it. I'm so glad I did that, though, because I was just such a, a lunatic about that series. Uh, yeah. Great memories. Yeah. I remember, like, clapping and, and, yeah, the whole, it was a whole thing. Oh, hell yeah. It was mind-blowing. Yep. So good. Yeah. So good. So, well, so, 20 years ago. 20 years, that just means we're, we're getting old, Stomp. Yeah, yeah, it sure is. But that one still stands the test of time. It looks like they made it just now. Yes, uh, a couple other little things here. This just dropped today. Um, I saw a preview for Scorsese's Maestro, and it was... Oh, actually, Scorsese's part of it, but Mrs. Stomp is telling me that Bradley Cooper is involved in the production side of it and directing, and Bradley Cooper is Leonard Bernstein, who is just a, a legendary conductor. So that looks phenomenal. It looks like it may be a an early win for the Oscars, uh, shoe-in. So keep your eyes on that one. I'm going to watch it this weekend and see what it's like. Yeah, I would assume that um, Bradley Cooper is... Oh, did he win an Oscar for that one with Lady Gaga? Or uh, he's he's mm. probably in line to get an Oscar, I would he's think, at some point. Pretty sure he's been nominated, but has not won. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. And then finally, with that this movie, The Creator, uh, it was amazing. That is... A rent right now is still in theaters, but it was one of those big IMAX releases. It's it's pretty amazing. Industrial Light Magic by uh, Lucasfilm did the effects, and it's just just this hodgepodge of every movie you can think of, from Blade Runner to Avatar, Star Wars, you may, you you name it. Um, amazing. This this director went out with a camera crew and just filmed for several months, just walking around filming Southeast Asia. So they did it in reverse. They had the footage, and then they just basically built it backwards, added the effects, and you have this in- incredibly beautiful movie. Uh, very, it's groundbreaking, in my opinion. It's great. Uh, so you've been going to the movie theaters to see these movies? Or? No, no. You have to get those. You know, uh, They're released in the theater and available online as well. This one just came online, but it's still out in the theaters. It's just this weird okay. transition. Um, okay. So that one's available for, I don't know, several dollars to rent. Okay. Yeah. I did see, matter of fact, while we were talking about this, have you seen the Barbie movie yet? Nah, I, I can't do it. Mrs. Stomp Come saw on, it. Stomp. Mrs. Stomp saw it, and she gave it a thumbs down herself. So really? I'm like, eh, all right, I'm definitely not going to see it. Yeah. yeah. I liked it. You liked I it? I liked it. What did you like about it? 
I don't know. It was like, you know, very, you know, Ken was funny. I thought that was hilarious. And then, you know, there was some messages there. I don't really like whatever the messages were. They went over my head or under my head. I don't really know. Um, But it was just, it was nice. You know what I liked about it the most is the girls were all excited. We were all able to sit down as a family and watch a movie. And I thought it was cool. And the scene where Ken like sings the song um, was just, was funny. But yeah, there was like a greater message around like trying to have it all. And um, the fact that like you don't need to have it all. You can, you can pick your own path and it doesn't mean that you have to have it all. I think was kind of the message, but um, I mm. think it's a bit of a um, Rorschach test around, like, you know, it is what you think, it's whatever people think it was. Oh, okay. The, whatever people want it to be is what they come out of it, but I thought it was a good movie. I thought it made you think a little bit. So let so. me get this straight. So she goes into the modern day society, right? Is that what happens? Yeah, so she's living in Barbie world where like they're all boss babes and they're in charge of everything and then the Kens (laughs) are subservient. Then she goes into like the real world and realizes that the dynamic is sort of flipped and that men are more in a position of power than women. And um, yeah, and then I think she comes back and comes to find out that the Kens have all realized this as well because Ken went with her and he sort of tries to recreate what's in the real world and ultimately, the truth, I think, is somewhere in the middle. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. So. Well, it's a popular movie. Um, what's uh, what's the lead actress's name again? I forget her name. Yeah, she's pretty um, popular. Yeah, she looks like Barbie. Yeah, she does, yeah. Yes. But anyway. Uh, but no, I'd check it out, Stomp. Yeah. Open your mind a little bit. Yeah, I'll do my best. I'll back. do my best. Uh, okay. I wonder if Ken has sweat problems. I don't know. He probably does. He looked kind of like he was glistening quite a bit throughout that film. Well, sweat can be extremely uncomfortable on the trails. Plus, the sweat is a serious risk factor. As your clothes get wet, your core temperature can dramatically fluctuate. This can result in hypothermia, heat exhaustion, and dehydration. We've got good news at Slasher for you. There's a piece of gear that solves the sweat problem. Vaucluse's Ultralight Ventilation Backpack Frame. The frame is a backpack accessory that easily installs in your favorite pack, size 15 liters to 65 liters, and creates a ventilating airflow gap between you and your pack. It's also ultralight, weighing less than a pair of socks at just over 3 ounces. So whether you're hiking in hot or cold temps, the ultralight ventilation backpack frame is a real game changer when it comes to airflow and ventilation. So visit them at valklusgear.com. Uh, to order your ultralight ventilation frame today. Use promo code SLASHER to enjoy a $5 discount, plus let them know that Mike and Stomp sent you. Great stuff. I'm sure there are plenty of Valcluses wrapped up in packages right now going to different locations. Under the tree. Yes, under the tree. Uh, A couple couple reminders here. You can get your stickers, uh, the Slasher stickers at Ski Fanatics off of Exit 28 in Campton. Or down at Spinner's Pizza Parlor off Dascom Road in Massachusetts in Andover. Uh, we also have advertising opportunities if anybody wants to plug their uh, whatever it may be. And I just wanted to just do a quick shout out to EMS and Reckless Brewing. They're great supporters of the podcast and uh, we thank you all for the support of the hiking community over the last few years and uh, support of the podcast. So thank you very much. Merry Christmas to all. 
Uh, donations. We have several. People have been so generous the last week and a half or so, Mike. It's really amazing. So S&A donated five coffees. Irene Scharf at S-N-E-S-L donated five. Paul Noel uh, of New Hampshire Wild donated four coffees. Judy C. donated five coffees, wishing us a Merry Christmas. Emily, whose IG handle is M-L-Y Murphy, M-R-P-H-Y, also donated five coffees. And we also have Mary B. donating five. And then finally, Kevin, who donated five coffees. And uh, Kevin makes note of the Pam Hollingsworth search show that we did and he wrote that the ending blew him away, and uh, it was just a really standout episode for him. Wow, that's, that's a good great. one. Yeah, that was a good good episode, by the way. Yeah, yeah, that was a great great story too. Yeah, interesting uh, story. So thank you for all the donations, and then I just want to put in a little plug for anybody that wants to throw us like a five star review on Apple Podcast or wants to write a only positive reviews. Don't write anything negative. We're too sensitive for that. <laughs> if you want to write a positive review and give us five stars on Apple Podcast, that's that would be great. We're empaths. We can't handle the negativity. Correct. Correct. So don't give us any feedback. Just tell us we're great and give us the five star and that's it. Right. Don't make us drink more beer than we do already. Correct, oh, correct. speaking so, of beer... Yeah, what are you drinking, Stomp? (laughs) Uh, Tonight I have this thing. It's a fluffy. Uh, Let's see what it is here. So it says, Fluffy Hazy IPA by the Night Shift Brewing, which is uh, a company out of Massachusetts, I believe, Everett, right? Didn't I talk about them recently, about the AI beer? I think so, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're all over the place. So if you go into any... um, liquor store or beer store around at least my neck of the woods like they they're always on the shelves yeah well it's really good this is a tasty beer enjoyable what you drinking tasty beer tasty beer yeah well i'm drinking a an ipa i'm drinking a zero gravity which i think is that zero gravity out of burlington vermont is that 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 crew i'm not familiar with them yeah i think it is i think mm. it is it's a provisions india peel ale and it is 6.8% alcohol. All my Treehouse Brewing beer is gone. Okay. You really like that stuff, huh? Yeah, I do. I do. Yeah. I think it's because like, I, I, it's it's the hip, cool thing to do, Stomp. And you know, I go out to Charlton. <laughs> I know you would, you would reminded me that I don't have to go that far. I don't have to go out to Worcester. But uh, I, I know they have a place in Tewksbury now. But yeah. I like to go out and visit the, visit the kiddo and uh, get out there and go to Treehouse. Yeah, well, that was actually... Actually, a, a listener that sent that tip, but um, well, it's a good call. Yeah, yeah, totally. Looking out there, just looking out for you, Mike. I appreciate it. And thanks, listener. I I, I got to get over to the Tuxbury location for sure, but just huh. um, yeah, you know, haven't haven't got there yet. Yeah, I've been I've been trying to take your approach to the beer thing as like when we first started, just trying to get themes or thematic material or just something like that. So I've been branching away from my Burlington Beer Company and uh, reckless stuff and trying random stuff. Look at you, embracing new stuff. I'm proud of you. <laughs> right, but Barbie is like the end of the line. No, I can't do it. 
I'm getting, you, you need to watch Barbie. So. <laughs> All right. That'll be my New Year's resolution. I'll give you a okay. full report. That's true. That's true. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. All right, Stomp. This is the part of the show where we talk about where we've hiked recently. Yeah, that's a no-go for me. Have you gone anywhere? That's a no-go for me. I um, had um, had to work last weekend, and the remaining time I had, I've been spending time sort of collaborating with um, a listener, and um, it's it, Nick hikes and plays guitar. That's his handle, and yep. we're just go- uh, goofing around with some tunes and trading files back and forth, and yeah, it's been fun. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, you should start like a... Um, a hiking podcast themed EDM mix. <laughs> I, thought, I thought you were going to say just a hiking podcast. <laughs> no. Like I think we're all set on the hiking podcast, bro. No, 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 no. Sorry, because he is. <laughs> Matter of fact, he's going to. Yeah, so I think I got to message him, but I think he's joining us for a hike after the new year. Um, okay. So if you you grab onto that, you can you can join us too. Cool. Sounds good. Yeah, he has a great voice. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of those. I can tell you what song it is. It's um, "Hard Sun" from the um, "Into the Wild" movie by Eddie Vedder. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So we're doing a cover of that, and uh, it's been fun. We're trying to reverse engineer it ourselves with the vocals first, and then build the music behind it. And uh, some old bandmates are contributing a little bit, so it's fun. It's just you know, it's a good good thing to mess around with. And you're able to do this all remotely and then pull, yeah. put it together, pull it yeah. together? Yeah, it's really amazing. So, oh, oh, this is, it's great you asked that because I forgot about this point. You might find this interesting. So he sent me a vocal track and he literally mm. put his headphones on, pressed play on his Spotify and sang along to the song as it was playing in his headphones. So it left it up to mm-hmm. me to figure what tempo it was. And I did some research and, you know, different sites were saying 143 beats per minute, 150 beats per minute. It's some ballpark figure. I sort of got it close to 142, 143. Sure thing. I look, I found this one website. It said 142 and it had a picture of the actor on top of the bus with the 142 on the bus. Oh, isn't that interesting? So I yes. think, I'm guessing, but I'm assuming that Vetter may have said, hey, let's just nail the tempo to the, the number on the bus, 142, because that is the right on the money tempo. <laughs> Pretty neat. It's like, wow. It's Stomp's, Stomp's getting audio <laughs> engineering nerd excited over here. Oh, yeah. It's like, that's so clever if that's truly uh, the case. <laughs> yeah, that is. Yeah. All right. Well, good luck. We want to hear the release. So we'll, yeah. be, we'll be looking forward to that. And then, Stomp, this is the part of the show where we talk about notable hike or notable listener hikes of the week. Well, hold on a minute. What about your hike? You want to talk about oh, your- Oh, that's right. I forgot about my hike. Yeah, that's let's right. let's hear about it because uh, this is the location that I almost died on with you, right? In that area? Or well, what? well, Mount Parker. So yes. we did, so we did the, uh, this is the, this is the southern end of the Montalban range. Yeah. So this is, um, we did a traverse. So I was able to meet, I, I went with Jake and Peter and then Camilla and Lance um, joined up and then Steve uh, from the Cape joined us as well. So we had a good crew. So we met at Davis Path. Originally, we were thinking maybe we'll come out Resolution Stairs Crawford, but we, we bailed on that. And then uh, we, da- we we stashed two cars on River 
road in Bartlett. So that's where me and you parked when we hiked Mount Parker. Remember we got like kind of plowed Bridge. in because it yeah, was a yeah. snowstorm? Yeah. So we dropped two cars there. Then we drove to Covered Bridge Road, which is um, the, the Covered Bridge gift shop past Adatash. We had to drive back. So then the, the neighborhood back there is where the trailhead is. So we started off on the Mount Stanton trailhead. Mm-hmm. Which is like a you know I don't know it's it's maybe not even two thousand feet of elevation and then it's the it's these like outlooks so that you can look right across and see Atatash. Yep. and it's got a couple of different cliffs as you go across the ridge mm. and then eventually you get to Mount Langdon and I think I've read a couple of things around this but there's a belief that Darby Field. Had he had entered the mountains from this range, and uh, when he had done his famous hike on on Mount Washington, is that he followed this Maltabon range, yeah, and then came in likely from, um, you know, some somehow he ended up on the backside of like he might have gone up like Jackson Webster eventually, um, and then ended up in Lakes of the Cloud or whatever, but. But the reason I, I I thought it was interesting is because when you get on to Mount Langdon, you get to the you can then you enter this opening where you can actually see the entirety of the Mount Washington Valley from the south, and you can see like all the way up into Jackson Webster Cliffs. You can see isolation and then um monroe and mount washington and it's a clear view so he could have easily like just hit that spot and then he would have been able to map out exactly the route that he wanted to follow from there yeah 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 it makes sense that's definitely the the key of how do they uh how they pulled it all together back then yeah yeah so then you you know mount langdon and then you go over these another peak called the crippies and then you drop down into a coal and then reconnect with the Mount Parker Trail. So it's the top end of the Mount Parker Trail. Mm-hmm. And then you're right, that is a that's a grind. So it's I think I wanna say it's something along the lines of like twelve or thirteen hundred feet of elevation gain from that trail junction when you get to it. Yeah. And it's sort of like three steps. So you go up steep, flatten out, up steep again, and then they do that last hundred and fifty foot climb is a is a beast. Gotcha. Wow. Yeah. Cool. And then the summit of Parker, we didn't get a view. So I never got a view on that one, but this weekend was an amazing view. You could see everything like Bluebird Day. Gotcha. So um, what were you wearing for traction? Uh, just bare boots. Oh, you know, okay. I had my winter backpack, but I honestly could have gone lighter. I did. I was glad I had my boots because down in the coal, the coal, so it was like four up and downs and when you got into those coals like the the snow was like you know a couple of inches slushy and then we did put micro spikes on i beer booted up mount parker but coming down i put my spot when i got to the summit i put my spikes on we all put our spikes on and then wore it going down to about you know once we got to the lower section we took them off but yeah your, your spikes were needed on the the coming down gotcha Cool. Yeah, new area. I I got some redlining in, and I'd never been in that that area. But I definitely, you know, not a lot of crowds, cool views, challenging up and downs. Uh, highly recommended. Obviously, you need a, a car spot. Yeah. The, the trailhead at Mount Stanton is difficult. There's only like one or two parking spots there. So, 
if you can get dropped off, it's easier. How many miles miles altogether to, from start to car spot? How many miles roughly? It ended up being about 11 miles, I think. Yeah, that's a good day. Or 10 miles. And then yeah. we were thinking about going out to Crawford and Resolution and Stairs, but that would have been like a 15, 16-mile day, and none of us were down for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, next time. Excellent. Yeah. Well, I'll so get out. Put that on your list. Yeah. I'm hoping to get out this weekend. We'll see. Yep. Uh, with Christmas and all, it's a little tricky, but mm-hmm. Saturday is the time. But anyway, on to uh, the notable listener hike of the week. So if you want to tag Slasher on your adventure to be considered for hike of the week, uh, go for it. Do so. Uh, we try to limit the posts uh, for the sake of time during the show. We try to do 10 or so, but I think we can sneak all these in today. Uh, Ginger Beard Keen uh, hit Mount Washington for Eric Todd Sweet's 150th ascent of the mountain. That's very cool. Uh, yeah. Dave shits in the wood. Woods. In the wood, <laughs> he. This is a great lesson. So Mount, this is not all one day. So multiple attempts here. So Mount Tug, uh, Cataluchi Mountain North, Mauglis Mount Silly, Silly's Cave, Cataluchi Mountain, Ayers Pond, Avery's Ledge, Kittredge Hill, Lucius Lookout, South Peak, Goves, Goves Mountain, and Bryant Mountain. So Dave's out there killing it. I would um, advise people that. Sh- to find his handle, uh, which is basically Dave shits in the woods on Instagram because he, uh, does these really great, um, expanded, uh, versions of what he does and explains a lot of, uh, the bushwhacking and things, which we can't cover here. It would take forever, but, uh, it's a lot of good information for anybody out there looking to do some of these bushwhacks and hikes in the region. Yeah, yeah, I love that he's doing these like lesser known peaks. Yeah, and yeah. It's I, I do watch him and follow him and get some ideas on things that I could do in the future. Matter of fact, Stomp, you'd be proud on the hike that we did on Mount Langdon. There, the the trail does not go to the summit. It's like maybe fifty feet away from the true summit. Okay, and I stopped everyone and I was like, Stomp would insist that I go to the <laughs> summit to make sure that I check to see if there's a canister there. Um, yeah. And sure enough, I you know there was I found myself a little herd path. Yeah, and I said there's gonna be I said there's a herd path. Therefore, there's gonna be something there. So we got there, and there was not a canister, but there was a little glass jar. Have you ever seen oh. that setup? There was a a glass jar with a band around the tree. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So those those lesser frequented peaks uh, sometimes will have the the glass jars, and they work. Yeah. They work fine. Yeah, yeah, it worked. It was pretty tall. Like it was like over my head. And luckily, Peter's a tall guy, so I was able to have him oh, put it back. So right. I, I was like standing on my tippy toes, reaching up to get it. Register um, discrimination. This is this is horrible, Mike. Yeah, I was like, a, the, we, uh, no love for the short kings. Oh boy, we're gonna have to revamp wrote, all the registers. I wrote all our names. <laughs> yeah, I wrote all our names and I put slasher podcast crew. Oh, that's wicked cool. Yeah, yeah. Re- finding registers really is a cool thing. It's very neat. Yes. Yeah, yeah. We, we were reading. One person wrote like a whole book. They were like, "Oh, my day was so good," and like I saw a grouse and the whole thing. And like it was a whole. I was like reading it. It's kind of cool. When was the last date prior to yours? It was a little weird because um, it was only like random pieces of paper. So the um, oh okay the 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 little three ring binder thing like 
fell apart. So it was just like random pieces of paper. Yep. And I think, I mean, what I did is I just looked through to find a blank piece of paper, to write mine on, and I put the date. <laughs> so the, the top page was like July, but I'm sure that there was, you know, later, later writings. I just didn't pick through them. Yeah. It's pretty neat when you hit a register and there's maybe like one other registration of of a, a crew that hit it and then yours is the one before it and after it. You know, it's like some mm-hmm. of these places are just so hard to get to that nobody gets there too often. It's neat. But, yeah, and if listeners don't know what we're talking about, essentially these, um, mostly they're like the 100 highest or the 500 highest where there's no yeah. trails to some of these summits. What you'll find is like a PVC canister or a glass jar and there'll be like tied to the tree like the the glass jar just had like a a, a, th- a like a a rope mm. that was tied around the tree loosely to a jar and then you unscrew the jar and then there's a piece of there's like paper in there with a pencil and you can write your information on there to say I was here on this date um the bigger pvc canisters is more common stop right i don't know if they're more common that's that's a hard thing to to guess i'm not sure yeah, yeah, I'm not really they'll, sure. Usually, they'll have bigger, bigger notebooks in them. Oh yeah, they're sturdy. They they're more weather yeah. resistant. The the, uh, the glass jars don't tend to impede the weather from getting in. But yeah, yeah. I mean, when you get into these really obscure bushwhacks, you can find all kinds of weird stuff. Uh, yeah, I, I I'd say it's a mix at this point, really. Yeah. All right. Well, so, we went off on a tangent here yeah, on no, Dave Shits in the Woods Adventures. No kidding, right? So, <laughs> yeah. E. Isa uh, did Satchin Peak with Eric Todd Sweet, and we've talked about this before. This is a oh, a, like a three sixty panorama uh, cliff that is on the Acton Ridge, just southwest of Jennings Peak, and uh, just beyond Acton. So they hit that. It's one of my favorite spots. It's a uh, you know, my goal for that one is to camp on it some night because it really is a stunning view. Uh, our favorite, Littlefoot, did Mount Washington for 200 out of the New Hampshire 48 grid. So Littlefoot is out there crushing peaks as usual. EC that Banks. Is moving. We, we got to get her and Kim and Mark on the show. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why we haven't already. <laughs> yeah, we got to do that. We'll figure that out. So. That's, that's homework right there. So EC, yeah. Ethan Banks, EC Banks, he's been a guest before, Hikes New Hampshire, did uh, Eisenhower for 324 out of 576 for the grid, and that would be 24th out of 48 for December. Amazing. Gingerbeard Keen comes back again. Um, I don't even know what that says. N-O-K-N-A. I don't know what that is. T25 finish on... King's Ravine and Shimin Des Dames. <laughs> Shimin Des Dames. Oh my God. I'm sorry. The listener who taught me how to say it, I've completely forgotten. Shimin Des Dames. Shimin Des Dames. Shimin Des Dames. You have to put your two, your index finger and your first finger yes. against your thumb when you yes. say it and yeah. shake your hand violently. So, uh, yeah, so that's pretty cool. A T25 finish in these conditions. That's wild. And I guess the, the other name is N-O-K-N-A-N-B-K. I may have misspelled that, and I, I apologize. And then, finally, Nick hikes and plays guitar. And 
TFW 16, 16, 17 of the fall 48. Oh, Tom Fairwilly. Duh. Oh, my God. My shorthand's killing me tonight. So, yeah. Tom Field Willie for 16, 16 and 17 of the fall 48. Oh, man. What's my problem? Yeah. So, guy, just for the listeners, so, like, we, we have the script that we work off of, and, you know, it's the font that we use. So, our style guide is Arial Font at size 9, and we, we write out our acronyms, and we make sure that, like, if there's a little red squiggly line and the spelling's incorrect, we, we either do ignore or we fix the spelling error. Right. Stomp is chaos. He's like, you know. Complete. Aerial 11.5. Oh. There's all these, like, misspelling lines and <laughs> shorthand. It's chaos. Like I, it's, it's all underlined and red. It's like acronyms. Like, how am I supposed to know what all this is? So, so I'm guessing not allowed that, to touch a script. I, I'm guessing that one should say 1560 and 17 but I, it says 16 16 and 17 <laughs> oh hopeless that's my resolution right there tighten up my notes as i've said yes. before though it's like I, i'm typing these on my phone and my fingers are just they're just too damn big for this stupid little keyboard so i type make typos constantly oh, is that what's going on you so you're you're updating the script on your phone on my phone yeah, because oh, you know what's I could never. you know what's frustrating about Instagram these these tags come in and they just disappear. The more tags that come in and posts and comments, it's impossible to find them. So when I see them, I try to grab them because I know I'll 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 miss them or never see them again. Uh, so yeah, it's always on the fly. So. <laughs> Oh, that may, that that explains it. So yeah, I, I can't <laughs> yeah. do anything of note on my phone. I have like a whole. Oh, dude, I'm, I'm a laptop guy. So. Yeah, it's a nightmare. But anyway, thanks for the tags and uh, keep up, uh, keep on crushing peaks. Excellent. All right, Stomp. So I think we're going into yeah. So we're going to move into our segment of the week here. So I have an int. I did an interview with uh, family members. So. Um, Uncle Fran. So Fran is Mrs. Mike's uncle. So therefore, he's my uncle. Yeah. And we'll talk about this during the episode. And then Jessica is Mrs. Mike's cousin. So I've known Jessica since she was like young. I don't even know how old she was, maybe 10 or 11. So she was yeah. always like the youngest cousin to me. And we'll talk about it during the segment. But I've had been meaning to do a segment with them for a while. And the... The background on this is, so we're going to interview them about a trip that they took on Franconia Ridge. Mm-hmm. And um, we are, you know, the 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 impetus for this is that I hiked with Jessica's husband, Bo. I did a Pemi loop with him last year, and he reminded me of this story of Fran and Jessica. They had... Um, they had gone on this this hike, just the two of them, and they were kind of unprepared for the, the conditions and physically not super prepared for it. So I wanted to sort of bring this story to contrast the thought plan of like, you know, we typically deal with experienced hikers or hikers that are engaged in doing a lot of research. And we don't think about like the, the people that are truly just going out there once a year to do a hike and they, you know, they, it's... They don't really think through or they don't even know where to start. So I had started thinking about this. Like it had hit me, I think, Stomp, when when you and Alvaro and I did that Pemi loop and then I cut off, went down Falling Waters years ago. I remember seeing like all these unprepared hikers 
And that's when it struck me. I was like, there's a whole population of people out there that like really, they don't even know like basic research. They're just, they're just getting, you know, they're traveling up to New Hampshire, getting a, like a, a guidebook or just somebody tells them like, oh, you should check out this hike and they don't do any research whatsoever. So this is a story about Fran and Joelle, yeah. uh, Fran and Fran and Jessica getting into trouble um, on Franconia Ridge. And it's kind of a funny story. So I thought we'd, we'd, we'd use this as our final end of the year segment. Excellent. Yeah, let's check it out. It's time for Slasher's Guest of the Week. Very cool. Very cool. So we are recording here live. So Fran, are this you is my excited for your first podcast? podcast. Following up my first Uber this is uh, trip the other day. So this has been a week of firsts for me. <laughs> Wow, I'm getting I'm getting so modern. You're now, really yeah. getting you're really getting. To, that is good. That is good. All right, so um, I'll, I'll get to you in a second, Fran. I'm going to just do a quick intro here. So um, I have Fran and, and Jessica here. So these are family members. Um, you know, they're so Jessica is the first cousin for Mrs. Mike, and Fran is Mrs. <laughs> Mike's uncle. So they've had to put up with me for years. I've been part of the family. Um, but I wanted to get both of you on here. So there's been a recent trend going on, Jessica, on social media where um, these young ladies have been putting up like these collages of videos where they've sort of put a, a, um, a sad picture of themselves and they said like, you know, my I wanted my boyfriend to take me whatever shopping or something like that, but he wouldn't. Oh. And they take a picture and they say, but my dad would. Yeah. So I was, oh, I was thinking about that trend because this is a story that we're going to tell here tonight of about a dad stepping in and um, you know basically doing what her what his daughter asked to do, but it was um, you know a little bit turned into be a little bit of a dangerous uh, situation here. Um, but anyway, the, I wanted to sort of just have you both on here because a lot of times, like we'll have guests on that talk about their hiking adventures, and we always talk about safety and uh, we talk about like search and rescue news and events. And we don't often have anybody that's been like in a search and rescue and situation. Um, and I wanted to <laughs> live to talk about it. Yeah, but I mean, you guys have so you've told me the story about a hike that you did on Franconia Ridge previously, probably about going back 10, 10, 12 years, and I thought it would be good to share. With with the audience, the perspective of people that aren't plugged into the hiking community, sort of hadn't, don't have a lot of background and experience and just said like, you know, I got this dumb idea. I'm going to go hike Franconia Ridge and see, you know, and, and, and have myself an adventure. So I figured, Jess, you've told me the story over the campfire up in Maine before. So I thought it would be fun to, to have both of you. Yeah. Yeah, well, growing up, my dad always ran away for his birthdays and would take this solo trip by himself. So I I wanted to start that tradition of going on birthday adventures. So that's why why this trip was my idea, I'm sorry to say. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) 
Well, we'll we'll get into the details, but I think let's start with Fran. So, Fran, this is the first time you've been on a podcast, but you you have a broadcasting background, so I want to get into that in a little bit. But before before we get into the, so your background in broadcasting, can you talk a little bit, sort of, about your background? Where did you grow up? What is your educational background? What do you do for work? Uh, okay, um, I'll start with my growing up. I was I was born on a mountaintop in Tennessee. Uh, Come on, it's like uh, the wilderness. It was the wilderness. It was called Revere, Massachusetts. Oh boy, it was there. Were, there were lots of wild creatures there, and yeah, it was yeah, it was really a, a, one of the older suburbs of Boston. So it was really Boston, and uh, the houses were you know two inches away from each other and that's where I grew up in Revere and um, but I uh, I always wanted you know talk about hiking and I always there's this adventurous part of me I'm kind of a, a you know, I was a studious kind of kid, but I always wanted to to, to be adventurous. My first girlfriend in the, in the first grade, when I was six years old, lived on top of this hill in Revere. It was like, and we used to go on hikes on this hill with my Uncle Jimmy. You remember Uncle Jimmy? Yeah, I know. Yeah, you know him very well. Well, he used to take all the kids in the neighborhood on. He called them hikes. So this is where we are proposed. This is a hiking show, and we would go up to uh, Ridge Road on the top of uh, I don't know what mountain that was. <laughs> reservoir. There's no mountains in Revere, France. <laughs> it's a reservoir. <laughs> it was uh, to us. It was the why. It was the wilderness. It was the wilderness, and uh, yeah. So I used to go up there by myself because I had uh, cousins who didn't. Want want to leave you know the block that we lived on so i all right so even even though you're locked in revere and there's not a lot of outdoor opportunities you you did what you could do i wanted to be adventurous so i yeah so i i went to um school and then i uh what else did I do? I eventually went on. I like I do adventurous things. I'm telling you. So I've jumped out of an airplane, for example. Okay. So that was a little adventure. I bungee jumped. That was an adventure. And I went on. I went on a boat when I was around twenty two, maybe. I joined the um, a, a school that was operated out of New York, and this they rented a uh, Norwegian three masted. Um, sailing ship and we sailed uh, we flew to Norway and then we sailed around the Atlantic Ocean across, across the the, uh, the ocean to South America and this was like you know eight ten month uh, trip and then we you know we had to climb the rigging and all that and I loved it I, I like doing uh, those kinds of interesting so you were doing some adventures before, so where did you when you left Rivera so what is your educational background what did you do for work oh I went to um, I went to 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 Boston College, and then I okay. went to after that I went to uh, Temple University in Philadelphia and got a, uh, a PhD in um, clinical psychology. Okay, so I, I I still still practice a little bit. I talk to people. I'm still still a clinical psychologist. Yeah. What do you specialize in? I specialize in talking. Yes. Well, I know that. <laughs> that's a, yeah. That's about it. Yeah. yeah. I, I, and, I, and uh, yeah, so I, I specializing. I, I, did, I used to see a lot of kids. I don't see any kids anymore. 
you okay. know, kids like that. So I have a question for you. So probably I think around 2014, 2015 was the, the initial generation of young people hit like high school, college age that had grown up with phones in their hands. Mm. And I think uh, as what we, what we, so, you know, there's a, there's a lot of trends in, in studies that have been done that, you know, along with the, the being raised by phones, the level of anxiety and mental health issues with young people, especially young women had increased pretty significantly over the last probably 10 years or so. Mm. One of the things that we've always talked about on this show is the benefits of just being outside and hiking mm. and, and getting in touch with nature, dropping off, the, you know, getting rid of the devices and all that stuff. Can you talk a little bit about like your your perspective on that? Yeah, I mean, uh, I know I know pretty much. I, I think what you're talking about, and and I do think that the antidote, the antidote for all this craziness that we call modernity, um, and all of the mental health issues surrounding that, the the real antidote is nature. You go outdoors, get into nature. It's the beginning. I mean, we were built as humans. We were built to be in nature, to live you know, in trees and caves and, uh, and gallivant around. And, and, and we do a great disservice to ourselves and by not taking advantage of our opportunities to, to go back to nature, to go hiking, to go swimming, to you know, to be out there with nature, it's it's the it's that connection. The, our, our souls with nature is the beginning of the life of intellect, the life of spirituality, the life of of um, just being alive. You know, we, we absolutely need to do that, and and every year it seems we we get further further distant from that and certainly the cell phone has isn't uh, well maybe it's helped I mean I, you know, I don't know how many search and rescues have been uh, yeah. initiated by cell phones I'm, I don't know because the cell service yeah. isn't that great out in the wilderness but yeah, well, it, 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 it certainly now the coverage has gotten a lot better up in the White Mountains, so we yeah. do see those initiated from cell phones. But, you know, you're right. I think that it is important to get outside. I just was curious about your perspective. Now, more important question, Fran, is do you, and this is for the audiences because, you know, they're probably curious, do you have any recollection of when I started coming around and your thoughts when you initially met me? Did you think <laughs> I was going to make it? Did you think I was just going to be a sort of a short-term guy and well, you never see me again? Well, I had to first check you out to make sure you weren't a communist spy uh, and no, you know, trying to true. steal my uh, my niece. But, uh, yes. no, you, you were you were, you were were shy, and you, but you were uh, obviously a nice guy and, uh, and we've grown to... Uh, love and appreciate you all all the better after all these years yeah see that listeners a good endorsement there <laughs> and he can see through all the psychological nonsense so he knows I, I i'm genuine fall, I, I don't fall for all that yeah. right all right so friend one other thing that like before we get into you know jess i'll let you introduce yourself in a minute but one other thing i have is for the for the audience Fran, Uncle Fran does this thing that I feel like every family should have this. And if you don't have this and you're listening, you should be the person that does this. Fran is the guy in the family that sends the Christmas letter. And if you're not familiar with what the Christmas letter is, like you need to, your family's not cool because you need to have one person that does the Christmas letter. So Fran will send an annual letter that is basically a recap of the year. And what he does is he blends in sort of topical um, current event 
you know, his reaction to some current events, he gets into the politics, he gets in a little bit of entertainment, and then he'll he'll get into sort of all the travels and adventures that the family has done um, over the years. And he'll mention like, okay, if I got to got a chance to visit with this family member, that family member, can, can you talk a little bit about Fran? Well, when did you start that? What what got you to to become the guy in the family that does the Christmas letter? Well, probably Jessica got me started because, you know, it was like this was a, a chance to you know, memorialize uh, what we did as a, as a family and, and, and chronicle her, you know, uh, growing up and everything so and I you know it's fun I have a, I well sometimes I get in trouble you know I say something that people say ah you know you're a jerk. <laughs> they'll never but read his letter again um, you know it's uh, <laughs> I'll never read your letter again uh, yeah. But I've learned to tone it down over the years, and uh, you know, I, I I do enjoy it tremendously. It's it's, it's great fun. Yeah, no, we look forward to it when it comes in the mail. We're like, oh my god, that's the Christmas letter. You know, everybody reads it, and we have a good time. So, little advice: if you if you your family doesn't have that tradition, it's a great great tradition, and we appreciate Fran that you've been doing that for so oh, many thanks. years. Um, now, Jessica, why don't you introduce yes. yourself? You're the daughter. So I here. I. Um you know, I would always get in trouble with my dad, who was always an adventure seeker. You know, we'd go to Europe, and my dad would always take pictures of me and say, get a little closer to the edge. And we'd be on a mountain, and then my mom would get look at the pictures, and she'd squeal, oh, my God, my baby. And so I, I loved that kind of stuff. So he was always, like, the cool adventure, adventure buddy. And... Yeah, so he he most of my great adventures have been with with my old dad. But I yeah, I grew up in Great. And then it Yeah, and you guys are based in Long Island and you may eventually yeah, made your to way up to the Boston University. Area, right, and um I I love Boston. I, I but I didn't really get to do much exploring uh, the mountains around when I was in college. I was too busy, but yeah, explored them later, like after after graduating. And do you have any recollection? The I first was a time baby, you met me? yeah. So I like didn't a little know. kid. I feel like. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I've yeah, always like kind I was of been in around. Wedding, which was a huge honor, and I I, I love that. So you got a lot of points, but you definitely have gotten way cooler since being a dad. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> you think? Yeah, you're like an inspiration. Of, well, yeah, because you're like my dad, the, the cool adventure dad. No, that's that's good to know for sure. So, so then let's talk about this trip that you guys did on Franconia. So, so Fran, if I'm understanding this, so you you've got an adventurous streak. You've jumped out of planes. You've done some stuff on boats. You've like you know, you've, you've explored the wilds of Revere, Massachusetts, and lived to tell about it. Um, and and Jess, he dragged you along on a ver- various different adventures in Europe and all over the place. Would you just, from your perspective, were either one of you like, you know, people that were like researchers where you knew a lot about like gear and safety and all that stuff? Or you mostly just winging it and doing day trips? You know what? I think the funny thing is I was after thinking about it. I think this was my first hike, really. 
was was this Frank Coney. And the only reason we went was because I have a good friend from Vermont who recently did the hike with his mom, who is my dad's age, and recommended it. So we said, oh, if your mom can do it, yeah, it's, it's no problem. I, I'm going to do that for my birthday hike. But what I didn't take into account was if you're from Vermont, you're half mountain goat. So... You're, even if you're an elderly woman, you could you could do anything. <laughs> so were you this so this hike that you did this was goes back to what twenty twenty twelve? Yeah, so it was um, it was my birthday trip. I wanted to start this tradition, and I was going to go with a friend who did more research than I did. But I said I don't want to do research. I want to be surprised. And she said, I know there's a thirty percent chance of rain, and she backed out. So all right, so. Just just to dig into this, so <laughs> you planned this trip, and you, from your perspective, you were just saying, like, I'm not going to do any research. I'm just going to, like, I'm going to just be surprised by the whole whole experience. Yeah. Okay. That's something else. And then you, so you had a friend who was supposed to go, but she said, like, there's a little bit of rain, and you're going to back up. So then you, you had a plan B. You went to, did you go to Fran to say, like, hey, could you come with me? Because I have no friend. <laughs> Well, well, I said like yeah. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just going to go by myself. I get, I, you know, and luckily that didn't happen. My dad said, "No, I'll come with you." And I said, "No." But this is the day before. Yeah, it was. It was like yeah. one day. Yeah. One day. I had like about four hour notes. <laughs> yeah. Really? And were you in Long Island at the time, Fran? Yeah. All right. So then so she's she's her friend bailed out on her the day before. You're in Long Island. She calls you up as you, you know, said like, look, my friend won't come. And then you being the good dad, you said, you know what? I'll step in. Yeah. So yeah. And I had a long history of hiking. Don't forget. Like 30 I, years I, ago. I, hiking 30 years ago. I was like four years old. <laughs> so, but our hikes lasted maybe 30 minutes, you know. So, right. we, we, so your long history of hiking was the adventures you did in Revere, <laughs> the various yeah. stuff you might have done in in Europe, but like only yeah. for like getting out of the car and walking yeah. the distance. Yeah. Maybe we got out of the car and walked to the edge of the cliff. Yeah. Okay. That's, that was my and, idea. And, and yeah. Okay. yeah. And we were, were very well prepared. We put all of our gear together. So between the two of us, we had one headlamp, one hiking pole, and two granola bars. Uh, that's pretty good. <laughs> so that's it. That's a, that was what you. Yeah, had we had before. a backpack. I think there was yeah. some water. There was some water yeah. too. <laughs> I think I was wearing, and I I was dressed appropriately. I had a sweatshirt on and short pants. We'll get to what you're dressed in in a minute, dear friend. So, so were you in Boston at the time, Jessica? Yes. Yeah. All right, so you're in Boston, Fran. You got to drive up from Long Island. You meet her in Boston, and then you drive up to New Hampshire. Yeah, I think that sounds right. We got up late at night, and we set up a tent. This was, We were going to camp, too. After finishing the hike, we were going to sleep in our tent. It was going to be great. So the night, so you drove up the night before, and did you set the tent up the night we before? We set it up in the dark. I thought, I thought I thought we didn't ever go in the tent. Though. Well, no, we ba- abandoned it, but we did set it up, and we were oh. planning to sleep in it. But after, oh, okay. after nearly, oh. you know, we didn't have a great time hiking. We said, "Screw that! <laughs> we're going to take it down tomorrow. And we're going to stay in a hotel." <laughs> but the, so the night before, though, did you end up sleeping in the car, or did you just get out of the car and start hiking? No, I think we slept in the tent. We had a camping spot right at the Franconia. Um, like the start okay, of the trail. So you did, yeah. Got it. So you did sleep in the tent one night and then you got up and went hiking. Yeah. 
And, and you know, we're not, neither of us are morning people or planners, so I think we left a little later than we wanted to, but we were still probably on the trail by 9.30. No, okay. I think it was later than that. But anyway. Yeah, okay. We got a late start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I get that vibe from you too. So... Just for the listeners, so Jessica and Fran, they were nice enough to send me a picture, so I just want to describe what I see here. Um, so Jessica's got a vest on, she's got long sleeve, looks like she's got cotton pants on, so we're not going to judge too much. And she has what I would call is, it's not a backpack, it would be a shoulder satchel. So it's a leather bag that you would see like, like Mrs. Mike has these, it's very big, sort of like... It's like an ex- extra large purse, I would say. Yeah. Right? That looks like my dad's bag. And I think that's your bag, Dad, looking at the picture. I don't have this photo, so I can't tell. And then Fran has a shoulder bag. I would say you have two satchels that you're, right. you're wearing. And then, Fran, you've got cargo shorts on. You're looking good. you got the white socks. you got the old man socks on. But the concern I have with this picture is that those appear to be boat shoes that you're wearing. I know. <laughs> So, I mean, which would be good on the boat in in Norway, but I don't think that those are going to be too safe on the slick rocks in Franconia. Yeah, I I thought maybe there'd be a lake there. I don't know what I was thinking. (laughs) So, anyway, um, so just can you talk us through, like, when you got on trail, can you talk about, like, the excitement you had and then uh, describe sort of at what point did you realize that maybe I'm getting in over my head a little bit? Yeah, it was, it was... It was great. We were both really excited, but then I think we, you know, we took the um, what was the not the bri- we took the bridal path down. We took the so you went up falling, falling water. waters, and oh. and that that's a pretty treacherous hike. We took a lot of breaks, and we, we the, the, the remember dad the, the there was a mother daughter grandmother absolutely Rio. I was going to say yeah you could say so they were sitting on rocks waiting to be rescued by helicopter right okay. this was a, this was a woman who was probably older than me she was up okay. this this mom and their daughter and uh, it was this was kind of foreshadowing you know if you were talking <laughs> the drama of the, of the play this is foreshadowing like these people need to be rescued yeah and i it's like uh oh so it, it it did alert us oh. to there's you know there are, there are dangers and there are risks involved here but i looked at them and said wow they were not prepared losers <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you guys had your satchels, you were good to go. So you're saying you ran into like a mother and two kids that needed, they were waiting for it, a helicopter to come rescue. A mother and a daughter, but a, both of them were adults. It was a grandmother, a mother, and a daughter. It was a three-generation okay. mother, grandmother, mother, yeah. daughter. So. Okay. So, so you guys are on your way up to Falling Waters. You're on the trail, and that at that point, right there, you realize, like, wow, this is a risky endeavor that we've undertaken. Yes, but I did think, oh, she's old. Good thing I have my young, hip dad. Yeah, <laughs> he's he was young thinking. compared to the grandmother who needed care. Oh yeah, Uh-oh. I was young compared to that. Not not compared to the rest of the world, but to <laughs> the grandmother. Um, and it was warm. So I think I was wearing some kind of a sweatshirt, wasn't I? I don't have that. It was a fleece pullover you were wearing. <laughs> or a fleece, that's right. Yep. Okay. But I think at one point I, I had to take it off. It was so hot. Yeah. 
generally what I would guess happened Fran is that when you're going it's a pretty steep trail yes so my guess would be that even if it was not that hot when you're wearing a fleece pullover and you're going uphill like you're going to be generating a lot of a lot lot of heat so you probably want to take that off Um, so just how so you get on the trail at the beginning you're like you know this is fun I'm excited you run into those three people that are sort of in trouble you start realizing like oh wow this is this is this could be you know a little bit of a challenge. Yeah. Fran's getting hot. <laughs> At what point did things start stop getting fun and start getting like wow, this is well, really tough. Well- uh, yeah, then, then you know, you're when you're at the summit, you, you're in. We made it to the yeah, summit. Yeah, and you're yeah. you're in cloud nine. I mean, it's like the best feeling in the world. You could do anything. You're invincible. You 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 did the hard part. Yay! And we and so this is the advice for hikers. Like we celebrated way too early. <laughs> So you like, got up to Little Haystack so and you're like, this is the greatest yeah. thing ever. And, then, and, and the hikers are liars. You know, they're like, oh, it's very flat once you get there. And we're like, what the hell? There's there's like three more mountains, you know, peaks. So it was that was not flat. Okay. And then, yeah. you know, we then we found this awesome little, what was it, the cabin or the, the lodge? The lodge. Yeah, yeah. So you got to Greenleaf Hot. So before you get to there, so I think what you're describing is that you got to Little Haystack, which is sort of like the initial peak. There's a lot of people hanging around there, and it's very euphoric, and you're like, okay, we made it. But then when you look across that ridge, you can see what would be in front of you would be Mount Lincoln, which is a, a not insignificant climb. And then beyond Mount Lincoln is another summit called Mount Lafayette. And while it does look like you can reach out and touch it, the reality is is that you've got about a mile and a half to two miles worth of hiking up and down in, you know, exposed ridgelines. And gusts of wind. It was so windy that I was not expecting, like, to the point where we felt like we were going to blow off the mountain. We had to share our hiking stick. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, we only had one hiking stick. I think it was the left one. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. And just for the yeah. listener's sake, like the, the picture, so Jessica's rocking the hiking. So this is not like a hiking pole that you would traditionally, you know, you'd have two of them. This is the, you know, the Gandalf hiking stick that's left at the bottom of the trailhead. That's a, that's an actual stick. So, um, so you were both sharing that. It, it, had, it had character, yeah. though, the hiking stick. It does. Yeah, it does. Um, and do you remember, like, as you were going across the ridge, was there a lot of hikers? Was it oh, a busy it was so day? Do busy. you remember? Th- that's why. It well, that's was good. busy, busy, busy up until the lodge. Even at the lodge, I was like, oh my gosh, this is a party of people that we can all celebrate together. How, how cool and great we are. So we hung out. Now, before you get to before you get to the so it's called the Greenleaf Hut. Before you got there, though, was there any issues, Jessica, for you? Like, was was Fran holding up okay, or did you have to? You know, was there any concern that he may not make it? Well, no, because we were going at a nice. Boat. Oh, you were t- we were sitting well. a lot on those big boulders on the falling falling river. Falling waters. waters, but let me let me let me offer a a slight revision here and a, and, <laughs> and a correction, because during this is the flat easy part of the hike, so they say. Well, everything yep. is easy according to the hikers, but um, 
it was very flat, except that you had to climb up and down all these mini yeah. peaks. I mean, they weren't as big as that first hike uphill. But on one of them coming down from a slight peak, you know, I'm walking down these, uh, uh, you know, stepping on these boulders, and I'm thinking they're almost like giant steps, yes. except I miscalculate um, how far the ground is from the top of the last step. And so uh, on the on the last step of this downgrade, Wait, jammed, this is after the lodge, though. There, no, 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 no. This is before the lodge. Oh. See, this is where you're you're misre- misremembering. No, it, by the time we get to the lodge, I so I I jammed my knee, and I said, "Oh, I hurt my knee," but I did. It didn't bother me too much. Because we were so and excited. I said, well, continue. Yeah. What? Because we were so excited about. Yeah, so it didn't. So like we kept going, but as we as we're approaching the lodge there, whatever is the hut, um, you know, my knee starts hurting more and more. Oh, I didn't. And so then we go in the hut. And did you did you ask the people at the hut if they had any like solution for your bad knee? Um, I don't think so. At that time, I didn't think it was going to be the kind of problem it turned out to be. Well, I know what would happen at the hut was we were talking to hikers, how much farther do we have? They said, oh, the hard part's over. It's only about 40 yeah. minutes down from here. So we looked at our clock and yeah. said, all right, well, we'll leave like 45 minutes to sunset. <laughs> <laughs> That's how Oh, so you hung out at the hut and you basically said, like, if it's going to only going to take us 45 minutes, we'll just wait. And we'll hang out here at the hut and rest. rest and rested then, at the knee. Yeah, we had hot cocoa. Maybe you iced it. Like, we were, like, taking it easy because we had such a short yeah. hike back. So that's what and you had one headlight. Headlamp. Yeah, we had one headlamp. You were good. And, 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 that, and that's what and the that hikers stuff. asked. You have headlamps, right? We said, oh, yeah. They said, oh, you're fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah so. so you start making your way down so there's a section of the trail you guys won't be aware of this but when you descend from Greenleaf Hut there's a section of the trail right below that that has it's like these three little humps and um, I believe those are called the agonies so like agony of defeat you know yeah, the agonies oh, yeah, yeah. so I think Fran it sounds like to me that like based on your knee situation you were probably not only experiencing the agonies of the trail <laughs> but the agonies of pain in your own knee right well it got worse and worse so that by the time yeah. we started out again it's, it's still daylight when we start out well yeah. sort of it's, it's, it's moving towards dusk and um, and the, but the motion now is downward, and so there's there's that pressure on my knee, the, uh, on my it's my left knee, and uh, yeah, it, it gets worse and worse and worse. And then I see a sign that says, uh, "Do not feed the bear." <laughs> Yeah. And I'm thinking, <laughs> you know, what does that sign mean? <laughs> interpret that. What is the uh, with the, the epistemological re- meaning of? Uh, good thing, like we, good thing we don't have any yeah. food to offer the bears. <laughs> We're good. Yeah. Oh yeah. So then that's the other question I had for you. So, what was the water situation? So I'm assuming you had water starting off, and then you can get water at the at the hut. So you probably refill. But did you have water bottles with you? Did you have enough to drink? We did. We, we had one. We water had bottle. enough water, but the food situation was not good. Or the or the lamp yeah. or the hiking pole or the or the. Okay. <laughs> but the water we were. Good. <laughs> 
You were okay with the yeah, war. I don't remember okay. being worried about the war. We didn't have a lot of it. But that yep. was that problem vanished because then it started to rain. So <laughs> okay. well, no, no. First, 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 the sunset, and I said, "Oh, good, we still have some sunlight." But something I, I don't, I didn't realize was like, "Hey, when the sunset, it's like instantly dark in the forest, and you don't yes. see the sky at all." And I was like, "All right, this is this isn't good." And then it started raining. And that really wasn't yeah. good. And then we went off trail accidentally. That wasn't good. A couple of times. Yeah. And so I called my mom crying. We're lost right before my phone died. And and then yeah. so always tell someone where you are. So <laughs> then she was a nervous wreck. And 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 then the, the the icing on the cake was I saw looked back. I gave my dad my headlamp and the hiking pole. And I look back and I just see his feet in the air. Like, oh my God, he fell. It's, it's all, sl- everything is slick. And we thought it was the bridal path. Dad thought, oh, it's going to be like a horse, horse trail, but it was still very rough. Either that or there's going to be a bride, like from a wedding. Yeah. It's gonna be and, here. And, and, and you're wearing boat shoes. So this is, and I yeah. said, I can't carry him. I, what do, so we just, had to keep stopping and resting in the rain, just sitting on rocks, and it took it took like three hours to get down from the lodge or something. Got it. Yeah. And did you was, uh, do you recall seeing any other hikers come by? Oh, no, no. no, there was one kid who was kind of like jogging up the mountain, as I recall. Uh, it was like, <laughs> what is wrong with you, young man? But anyway, he 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 kind of walked by. Hey, how you doing? And like flew by us because he was in. But the sun was still up then. It was still what? It was okay. not dark yet. Well, it was, you know, but he was on, he was in a hurry to get to that lodge. So yeah. He passed us, but not another soul did. Yeah, it seems like all the other hikers do not, they don't hike in the dark. So that was, that was good. <laughs> well, a lot, I guess yeah. if you have the choice not to, you opt not to. Very wise yes. of them. And, and a lot of those hikers were, and you know, the, at the lodge, there were hikers there who were, man, they were younger than me, but they, I was old. So, but they were not kids. They were like, you know, probably 50 year olds. Yeah. And I'm thinking, well, if these guys can do it, I can do it. Yes. Then, yeah. You get the ego kicking in. Yeah, so. You get that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so eventually you make it back and then you've got your tent set up at, I'm assuming at Lafayette campground. And, um, but you just decided like, you know, Fran's knee is hurting. I don't feel great. Like, let's just get, you were right about the three agonies there. This fourth agony. I'm in agony with this knee. I felt this kind of like throbbing, you know, pulsating, uh, continuous pain in my knee yeah. and it was it was so that i was slipping and sliding too that was on that and then the temperature dropped yes that happens too my fleece and my short pants and I, you know i expect i'm expecting it to snow any minute and yeah it was it was you know so we weren't we weren't well prepared and we're wet from the rain soaking <laughs> wet drenched Drench. So I think what I can recap here is that sort of like there's the lack of preparation. Um, there's the inexperience, you know, there's the selection of the hike where you sort of picked an aggressive hike. Probably the gear situation was not optimal. 
Um, and then the, the, the decision making at the Greenleaf hut to delay going down was probably not a great idea. And then when you get exposed to the rain, you don't have the gear to protect yourself. And then you're already injured. You're slowing yourself down. You only have one headlamp. So, uh, but other than that, I think you guys were pretty locked in. <laughs> Yeah. We had a great time. Well, yeah. that, you we, did a, we were building memories, Mike. We did make great memories. But, you know, my dad didn't tell me any of that. I didn't know you really hurt your knee. He was just, you know, and then at the end of the hike, he said, I thought I was going to die out there, which he didn't mention <laughs> once while we were hiking, which would have well, scared the, me. With but the also, threat of the bears, <laughs> you know, there was all these threats surrounding me. It was like, geez, this is, you know, mm-hmm. it's New Hampshire. This is not even, you know, Revere. And I'm feeling yeah. so threatened by that. At, at any point in time, did you think, and obviously you didn't have the option because your phone died, but like at any point in time were you like, I may need to call for help? I, all the time but, but we didn't we didn't have the if there was a call box yeah I, I would have that's why I think next time I, I, I do say this but I, I didn't put one on my backpack but I, w- I wish I always had a whistle always a whistle's good but then no one's around how would they- no one would yeah. your your darn whistle there no. <laughs> yeah that's if you go off trail and they're looking for you already you use the whistle to call uh, but um all right. Well, so this is a, this is an interesting. I wanted to I wanted to bring the listeners into our campfire session to hear this story, just because I think it's interesting. Because we honestly like we'll hear these search and rescue stories, and you know I'll have listeners reach. You know I'll run into them somewhere, and they'll you know we'll talk about this these situations, and people are like I can't believe how these things happen, and. I'll tell them, I'll say, like, look, you know, there's a lot of people that are not plugged in. They're not doing research. They're they're going out to hike one time in their life or one time a year, and they just go out for a fun time. And 90% of the time, 99% of the time, these people make it through. It's not pretty, but they do make it through. So I thought that this story would be a good story to sort of share with the listeners to get that perspective. But I have a question for you. Sure. Do all hikers lie? Is this like a natural thing, or is it? What is that? Or is it? Is it toxic masculinity? So, generally, like if you are going to ask, like how long? You know how how much longer do I have to go? Yeah. Or um, is this hike? hard you're going to get lied to you know everyone's going to tell you like oh it's just just around the corner or it's not too bad you can't trust anybody because honestly like the judgment of what's bad for me or what's long for me is completely different from what it would be for you so yeah but but if you come across a city slicker and you tell you know this this these people don't know what the hell they're doing are you going to tell them it's easy and uh, don't worry about a thing and uh Maybe you should tell them, like... Uh, generally, my move... So, my move is I'll be like, you know, if somebody says, like, oh, how much longer is it? I'll say, like... I'll be like, oh, it's it's a pretty good distance. It's probably going to be, uh, you know, X thousand feet or whatever. <laughs> and then I'll just be like, how are you guys feeling? You, you're up for it, right? And I'll give them the opening. But a lot of times, people don't want to admit weakness. So, they'll just be like, oh, I'm just going to keep going. Yeah, so I, don't, I don't It almost doesn't matter what... So, it's not even worth asking people because it everyone's going to lie to you and you're not going to listen to them anyway. That's true. Oh, that's true. You don't listen. Yeah. But, well, but yeah. the other thing is when we, by the time you get to the lodge, you know, I did inquire, 
is, can we stay overnight here? And they said, no, yeah. we're book solid. Yeah, we're yeah. Well, because you picked the most popular hike in the White Mountains. And it was that time of year when the leaves were starting to change. It was, a, yeah, it was a pretty, yeah. it was a pretty nice weekend. Uh, yeah, so everything went wrong. Well, but yeah. it was an adventure. But an but adventure. I do, you know, I the thing I've learned is that now if I see. Yeah, I'm in Long Island, so a lot of the hikes we do, you get a lot of city people, New York City, going to the nearest mountains outside of the city, and they're wearing like flip flops, sometimes high heels, and I'm talking yeah. to them, oh, what the hell? You know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't, you should really rethink your shoes. So now I am trying to help. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. So I will say for the audience's yeah, for the audience's purposes, so now Jessica, so Jessica's married to Bo. Bo was the guy that did a Pemi loop with me last year, so we did an overnight. So he is a real expert. So he will what? never let Jessica get, get into a situation me. where she's gonna get in trouble. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, you you're saying you hike just as much as no, him? I'm saying he never hiked until we got together. Yeah, but I mean, he's surpassed you. <laughs> because, <laughs> wow, wow, that is insulting. No. Well, he's definitely, no, he's definitely more prepared in in general in life. He's just yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I think that this has been instructional, and I believe that you know the audience will appreciate the story. And it was great catching up with both of you. I guess, Fran, just to close us out, I, you have a you used to host a radio show, correct? Yeah, yeah, I did that. So that was a call-in radio show where you would give people advice. Is that is that what? Well, it was? yeah, they was call. They would talk. We would. Um, yeah, it was the name of the show was Talk to Me. And talk it was, to you. Uh, a radio station in Atlantic City, New Jersey, where okay. I was living at the time. And yeah, it was a call-in show. So there was um, two. There was a, a psychologist, me, and a social worker, and we would like answer questions or just make uh, just like talk about holiday stress things like that okay about stress and you know going grief. out and exercising grief what grief oh we also did you know like sh- uh, different episodes on grief and okay. what is your uh so you you've actually been in a real radio studio and done a show like what is your perspective on this whole podcasting thing like any schmuck can just set up a microphone <laughs> and, and put on a show what do you what do you think can you believe that we're in a day and age where we can do this yeah well i'm impressed by that big microphone you have in front of you <laughs> oh yeah it's professional right very professional so that you're, yeah. you've impressed me yeah i'm sold yeah. Wow. Well, again, I, I appreciate you both sharing your story, and um, you know, we'll um, we're going to drop out of this segment here, and I'm going to I'm going to talk to Stomp a little bit and recap for us. But um, I'll I'll make sure that I post the picture of your adventure <laughs> to our audience once we release this. Okay. <laughs> and I just want you to know that I would do it again. Whoa! You would with more research you would. and a whistle. <laughs> okay. Maybe we'll take, you know, what we'll do is we will take a, like a less aggressive. So Jessica, we had gone up to, we'd taken the kids up to Black Cap, um, which was a shorter hike. Remember we parked, I don't know if you remember, it was by Cannon Mountain, yeah. but Fran could absolutely do that. We could, we could do a shorter yeah. hike there. So, oh, yep. great. Yeah. I mean, now okay. I have severe PTSD from this hike. I, we still go for hikes with my family and last weekend my son, only wants to do mountain hikes but on long island it's very flat and so we went we went upstate 
for the day. And I started panicking because Bo went off trail. And I said, oh, my God, we're going to be up here in the dark. This is so, so bad. And he's like, it's 3.30. And I was, like, I, was like, I, was, I was panicking. And I said, the only thing worse than being stuck in a mountain with my old dad is two small kids to carry down a mountain. So True. I was like, <laughs> True. Well, when you come up to me and I'm taking you hiking, but we're leaving at 6.30 in the morning and we'll be done by, like, lunchtime, I promise. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, always give yourself ample time to do a hike. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Thanks again. All right. Thanks, Mike. Thank you, Mike. All right, Stomp. So um, that is Fran and Jessica in all of their uh, their capers on Franconia Ridge. What do you think? It was really fun to listen to. It was funny. Yeah. I have a lot of connections and memories from the, the whole Rivere area. And just to know that Revere. they cut their teeth on the uh, Revere range is just fantastic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fran's like, yeah, I got hiking experience. Like, I, you know, Uncle Jimmy used to take us up on the hills of Revere. So I got right. a lot of hiking experience. <laughs> Too funny. But, you know, Too those funny. hills are pretty monstrous. They'd be good for training for, say, something like Mount Washington for the city dwellers. Right across the way, you have the the old soldier's home hill with the old, uh, there used to be a water tower there. I don't know if they've taken that down, but from the Chelsea side, those hills are killer. Steep yeah. as hell. Uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah, <laughs> that yeah. was great. But I will say, like, and I don't know if I, I can't remember, it's been a while since I recorded this, but I will say, like, in Jessica's defense, yeah. like, she's come a long way. Like, she, you know, she gets out, she's got two young boys now, and we do hiking in the summer with them. They'll come up to Maine. Um, <clears throat> And Bo is a, you know, her husband is like a great, great guy and, you know, really, you know, killed it on the Pemi loop. So yeah. she's come a long way since, since then, but it was kind of a fun story. Cause I just don't think that we really, we don't even think about like, how do you address the people that are out there that like, don't even have a, you know, they're not even at square one, right, they're just right. out there to have a good time. And they don't even think about like what the, what gear is needed or anything like that. Well, I mean, a number one, the stewards. I think that's your first line of defense, and then the, yeah. you know the folks from the hiking buddies will always say you're you're the first line when you see somebody on trail that's not quite ready. Um, yeah, something yeah. else I thought of listening to this. Like I've seen a lot of people. I wonder if the people that have zero clue about hiking that live down south and they're super fit are the ones that tend to get in trouble more than other folks. Because I've seen people up there that may fall into that category, which I'm just thinking about now, that are, have flip-flops on. And they're just ripping it and just, I don't know, sort of interesting. Yeah, and I think I probably was like a little bit in that category back in like 2012, 2013. Like, I, you yeah. know, accomplished runner, good shape. Right. You know, for me, you know, my first hike that I picked was Glen Boulder to Mount Washington, and then down Tuckerman Ravine. So that wasn't, yeah. you know, that was an aggressive hike. But for me, I was like, well, you know, I can do 10 miles, 15 miles, no problem. Yeah, 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 for sure. Interesting stuff. But that was a great uh, interview. Uh, thank yeah, you both and for I have, uh, I got some photos, so I'll use those. Um, I'll post the photos of the gear that they were wearing and Fran's boat shoes and, and their, their shoulder satchels and all the fun stuff that they wore. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good.
think we're moving on to, is it Fieldstone? Yeah. Doing right now? Yep. Excellent. Fieldstone Kombucha, New England's premium craft kombucha company. If you're in the heart of New England, you need to drink a New England style kombucha. Softer, less acidic, and truly enjoyable. Our kombucha is naturally effervescent and boasts full-bodied flavor. Fieldstone crafts the best seasonal flavors. When we tell you there's blueberries in our baby bandit flavor, it nearly turns your tongue blue. Women owned and operated, we brew in Rhode Island using whole locally sourced ingredients. Fieldstone kombucha is the perfect replenishing drink after a day on the slopes or a trek in the woods. It's chock full of probiotics and healthy acids to keep you in top form. Find us at Biederman's in Plymouth, Mad River Coffee House in Campton, the Concord Food Co-op, and more. Check out our website for the full list of New Hampshire and New England-wide locations. Use code SLASHER, S-L-A-S-R, on our website for 10% off an online order. Shipped straight to your door. That's FieldstoneKombuchaCo.com. Excellent, Stomp. So now is the part of the show where we talk about recent search and rescue news. So we don't have anything locally, luckily. Yep. Um, Good news. Nobody, yeah, no, no, no rescues, but we've got some national stuff here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whenever we leave the region, all of a sudden we're dealing with 1,000-foot drops and 12,000-foot drops and all kinds of weird stuff going on. It's an interesting yeah. uh, cycle this time. Yeah, yeah. So this is um, this is crazy. So this is in the Seattle area here. So this first story is a 30-year-old hiker is found alive after tumbling more than 1,200 feet down a ravine on Mount Damn. Eleanor in um, Olympic National Forest. So this is out in Washington. Yeah. Um, so rescued and rushed to Harborview Medical Center in Seattle after being found in the Olympic National Forest. He had a broken arm, symptoms of hypothermia, and significant abrasions. Um, he was hiking with his partner near the top of the mountain when he fell around 6.20 p.m. Luckily, he was found alive 1,200 feet down a ravine, and um, I guess they were looking at the bottom of this large avalanche run out mm-hmm. and they didn't find him initially near the top of the mountain. So they went down uh, about 1200 feet and they were able to locate him. And then they lowered a, a crew member to the location and they were concerned with the risk of further avalanches or rock falls. Mm-hmm. So they were able to get a helicopter out there and hoist the patient back aboard the helicopter. So right after that, he got, you know, they got him right to the hospital. So they said that this was the 43rd mission for this particular rescue group. And uh, this involved 33 rescues, six searches, and then four medevac helicopter extractions in, in Olympia National Forest. So... Mm. There's one picture here that's really striking. It's a profile of a Navy helicopter, and just below it, it's it's lighting up the terrain that they're working in, and it looks pretty gnarly, really gnarly. Super close to a tree. Like, can you oh, imagine yeah. if, 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 if they hit that tree, that would not be good. Yeah, that's a good point. But, I mean, steep drop-offs, just massive cliffs. Mm-hmm. Incredible. You know, it's funny, though. I can't... Uh, Stop looking at the the 
Travis Kelsey picture on the right here of this Daily Mail article with his shirt off. <laughs> Where is... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's a hairy fella? I'm joking. He's a hairy dude. Yeah. yeah. yeah you I could repel down the skully in his chest hair. Well, you know what he does? He does this thing where, like, you should you should either shave it all or just let it go. Because I think that he's got what what's going on here with Travis Kelsey is um, he's got he's a hairy dude, yeah. but he shaved his hair up to his shoulders. Yeah, and oh, you're um, right. he should just shave the whole thing. Like he should just shave it all off if he's going to go that route because it doesn't look natural. <clears throat> yeah, he's got to go the full like. Uh Leonidas from 300 look there and just get rid of all the chest hair. Yeah. Yeah. yeah get the wax because it looks, it just looks weird. <laughs> like either you got to embrace your back hair or just, or don't. Get the wax. <laughs> and anyway. more in search and rescue news. See, this is what you get when you pull a Daily Mail article here. Um, right. So this is another hiker. So the theme of the week is Thousand Foot Falls. So this this brings us to Hawaii. Yeah. Um, so a hiker was rescued three days after nearly a thousand foot fall off a Hawaiian trail. Mm. I think we might have touched on this rescue previously, but this is provide this was more detail here. So okay. yeah. this is a hiker from California that fell a thousand feet from the bottom of a mountain down a trail in Hawaii. He called it a miracle that he survived the three days and he never expected that a day of hiking would go the way it did. Um, he he conducted a press conference where he thanked the rescuers for saving his life. So 34-year-old hiker, he was solo on December 4th when he fell from the Kaualua Summit Trail near the Pali Notches Trail. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess first responders located him on December 3rd near the bottom of a waterfall. Um, he said on the day he went missing, the peak was steep and the hike became more and more treacherous. Caroline told, my daughter told me that, like, it's super muddy there and okay. um, very slippery, all the trails. There's a lot of ropes and stuff that are that are set up tree to tree to hold on to in these sections. Yeah. Um, but this sounds like a guy that's very similar to what you were talking about, Stomp around, like physically capable, but bites off more than he can chew. So he said he was in good shape. He was able to now navigate. He was looking down at Pally Highway and mm-hmm. um you know, he's a I guess he's a father. He's got two sons and a daughter. And at some point he just tripped and fell. And when he came to, he had no idea what happened, how long it had been. Um, he had been out. He couldn't even remember if it was daytime or nighttime when he came to. So he must have hit his head. He started getting cold. And then with a broken arm, he dragged himself along to move closer to a stream. And he was able to find some shelter from the wind behind two rocks. Mm-hmm. And then he just was drinking from the stream over the three days. And um he said he made his peace with God. He wanted to live, so he wasn't giving up. But um, they had no, I guess they had no idea where he was. And uh, they were able to, the rescues were, did start a search for him. Mm-hmm. They were able to use his last known geolocation. And then from there, they determined that his phone was somewhere near the summit trail. And um, eventually rescue personnel were flying in the area and they spotted him near the bottom of this waterfall and wow. he was waving his hands so they were able to uh, to get him out of there. So lucky dude. Oh hell yeah. Yeah. I love yeah. the picture of him too. He's got the uh, Hawaiian shirt and the, the purple Hawaiian lay around his neck. <laughs> it's wild. Yeah, very yeah, it looks like a good good shape. So I'm I'm assuming like his physical condition probably helped. 
Yeah, he's, he's, his right eye is closed, so he must have maybe smashed his head right there or something. Like he's got a black eye. But yeah, yeah, it's a nice story. Yep. Um, and then this next one stop is a follow-up to the volcano eruption that um, I think took the lives of 23 hikers in Indonesia. So this was Mount Merapi. Um so they're still looking for 10 missing missing hikers, but they were able to find the final body, I guess. Um, oh, actually, right. the search for 10 missing hikers resumed after they had paused, and then they found the final body on Wednesday um, of this week. So there were 75 hikers in the area during the eruption. Most were evacuated and re- received treatments for burns. They do have a picture of one hiker that's like covered in ash and looks like she's got some burns as well. Um, But this is the deadliest eruption since 1979 where 60 people had died. Uh, But yeah, so that's the last thing they've recovered, I guess, all the bodies. Wow. Volcano ash spewed (sighs) 10,000 feet in the air. Yeah, yeah. uh, Surrounding all the villages in the area so yeah scary yeah it is scary all right we got one more here one more stop you want to do this one or you want me to do yeah it? sure yeah i'll tackle it so this comes okay. to us from colorado um hiker rescued from bar trail during snowstorm on wednesday and the date on this is the 13th of december so el paso county search and rescue epc sar helped an injured hiker on bar trail during a snowstorm on the 13th. According to EPCSAR, I guess that's EPCSAR, rescue crews responded during the snowstorm that hit Wednesday, helping a hiker that had been injured on the trail. Quote, rain, snow, or 20 below isn't just our rescue run slogan. It's part of our mission, said a representative from the SAR team. In reference to the poor conditions that they were battling that day for rescuing the hiker, um, let's see. A hiker was well prepared and was able to stay warm until the rescue team arrived. We've made note of that over and over again. Be ready to wait a long time for a rescue team if you should be in the position where you need to wait. Uh, let's see. While hiking during adverse weather isn't generally advised, um, the SAR team urged outdoor enthusiasts to always venture out prepared. And I, I, just sort of made a joke about this last line uh, in the script about them having a uh, three-item uh, hike-safe list. So check this out. Quote, accidents happen, so be sure to carry enough clothing, food, and water <laughs> should you have to sit outside for a few hours. <laughs> so instead of the 10 essentials, they apparently have three. I'm joking. I'm sure there's more. They probably only have they probably only have so much space in the articles. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But there's not much detail to this story. But uh, that last line is pretty funny. (laughs) So that's it for search and rescue, and that's it for 2023. Can you believe it? 130. I can't believe it, Stomp. I can't believe that I put up with you. I should be given a a medal of honor, a whole another year with you. Yes, valor, metal valor, uh, with, with your with your large fonts and your misspellings and everything. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. So, 
I don't know, just final closing thoughts here. I, I just want to thank all the listeners and uh, I enjoy meeting with with you every week, Mike. And uh, it's fun. It never gets old. And surprisingly, there are topics every week that we can talk about. And I think next year should be really interesting too. And um, thank you again, everybody. Yeah, it's yeah. Been great. I feel the same way, Stomp. I never get bored of making fun of you. Yeah. It's always uh, a great time. <laughs> it builds character. <laughs> it does. And I think that um, I did the total here. So we've got 134 episodes. If we figure they're about two hours an episode, that's 16,000 minutes yeah. of, uh, of talking. That's about 270 hours of content that uh, we put together in this dumb podcast. Right. So that means you and I have done double that doing editing and true, notes and true. all that nonsense <laughs> true true so but uh, but thank you listeners and um we will be back we got a good episode i think coming up um for the first of the year we got a good yeah. surprise guest which should be fun yeah absolutely merry christmas happy holidays happy hanukkah and all the rest <laughs> Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the show, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you want to learn more about the topics covered in today's show, please check out the show notes and safety information at slasherpodcast.com. That's S-L-A-S-R podcast.com. You can also follow the show on Facebook and Instagram. We hope you'll join us next week for another great show. Until then, on behalf of Mike and Stomp, get out there and crush some mega peaks. Now covered in scratches, blisters, and bug bites, Chris Staff wanted to complete his most challenging day hike ever. Fish and game officers say the hiker from Florida activated an emergency beacon yesterday morning. He was hiking along the Appalachian Trail when the weather started to get worse. Officials say the snow was piled up to three feet in some spots, and there was a wind chill of minus one degree. And there's three words to describe this race. Do we all know where they are? Lieutenant James Nealon, New Hampshire Fish and Game. Lieutenant, thanks for being with us today. Thanks for having me. What are some of the most common mistakes you see people make when they're heading out on the trails to hike here in New Hampshire? It seems to me the most common is being unprepared. And I think if they just simply visited uh, hikesafe.com and got a list of the 10 essential items and had those in their packs, they probably would have no need to ever call us.